As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Week 14, it's the Jamal Adams revenge game, although the Jets are 0-12. So the luster is kind of lost a little bit on that one. We will still talk about Jamal Adams. We'll talk about Denzel Mims, who won't be playing in that game. Of course, the Jets have a new defensive coordinator as well. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't on YouTube, also on Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a five-star rating as well on Apple. We're going to get to all of that stuff, but we had a – Really a dark realization on the show today that that almost <laughs> split up the cast of this podcast. For a yeah. moment, this podcast was in danger of not going on. We wouldn't be on right now because, Connor, you and I both learned in a disturbing moment that Marissa Morris has never seen any, any Game of Thrones. Seriously, <laughs> that ruined my day. It, it honestly, it it ruined my day until I would say about like 5.30 p.m. And then right around that time-ish, like later on this day, right in this evening-ish, that's when my day got remarkably better. And that's when my day got got just everything kind of seemed to come around. You know, I got a little extra pep in my step. I started to feel happy again, excited again, really like just, man, today's a, today's a fucking good day. Today's a good day. But, but before that, yeah, today was a very bad day. And it was, how do you... First, how do you go throughout the craze that was the last five years and not see Game of Thrones? Did you not have HBO? Do you have HBO? I do. I've seen you um, have so you have big, HBO. Big so Little Lies. Have, that's what that's on HBO, right? <laughs> so you yes. have Game of Thrones at your fingertips throughout the craziness that what Game of Thrones was. You have it at your fingertips, and you just was there like a reason? Do you just not like? No, Six like amazing seasons and then two dumpster fires. Like, what was the like? <laughs> what is the like? What what happened here? I don't know. I just never got into it. I don't two know. dumpster fires, huh? You're you gonna completely never throw. Did you, never give, did you ever give it a shot? Like, it wasn't no. one of those things where like you no. tried it. It's kind of like seafood. Like... No, yeah, never really given it. I just, I don't need it. I don't never watched it. So I, I assume now. Things. What is it? Is it a genre thing? Like no. fantasy type shows? No, because like do you like I, Harry Potter? I love vampire or uh, the Twilight series. That's are that's you? Diff- that's so you've different. seen all the Twilights, but you can't give Game of Thrones a shot. 
course i've seen so all you need a little more soap opera in your fantasy yes shows. how about yes. like like harry potter did you read um, those watch i was those? never like into them as a kid but i've seen a few all right this is pathetic. i watched is star pathetic. wars for the first time like probably like when i was in college i oh you don't need babysitting to watch that. I'm not a star wars person. For... okay I've so like seen star wars okay wait wait, wait. you haven't seen never star wars seen it, so all right you're so i've seen me. i've seen the one where he becomes darth vader i saw that one all the way through we watched it on the way to Hershey Park in eighth grade. I've seen that one. Well, what about the uh, real ones, though? Not the prequels. Uh, I've seen no, the I've real seen one. all the lightsaber fights. I, I YouTubed and my friend uh, this showed is, me all this. Someone is in the worse. chat said, Marissa, I'm with you. I've never seen it either. Connor, this is Thank worse you. than Game O'Neal, of Thrones. Two, one, seven, three, two, three. Yeah, I've heard that. But let's, ma- let's still make this focus on ripping Marissa because <laughs> I just want to say, like, Game of Thrones was the first show I would say, like, because I was we started watching it in college and then when i graduated college was like when when the height of it was in and it was the one show that every sunday when it came on there was no like dvr it i'll catch it tomorrow there was no i'll watch it the next day it was me and my four college roommates were glued to our couch at 8 55 waiting for that to come on at nine honor you were on time for something hold on with game of thrones yes with game of thrones yes i would watch the final five minutes of the episode before no no well back then you saw that picture that guy dm back then there was no gym there was no gym back during connor connor's college days connor was 50 pounds i think you need to provide some context to this connor Oh, so yeah. So, well, we'll get to that we'll, in a second. We'll tweet it is, out. <laughs> yeah, actually, I do want to tweet it out. It's pretty great. I got to ask the guy's permission to tweet it out because it's his little freaking brother in it. But the um, <laughs> no ice cream involved, though. Don't don't worry about that. Um, there, uh, no. So, like, we would sit there five minutes before. We'd watch the end of the episode before, and we'd go right into the next one. And it was there every single season. I, I, I no, all joking aside, Marissa, like, if you're – it's it's not a show that you can watch – passively like you have to actively watch it like you have to literally because especially for the first six seasons there are like sentences of dialogue dropped in like season one and two that come back up in five and six and play you're like oh my god he said that back then and it paved the way like it's just the writing which obviously is just ripped off from george r R. martin's books the acting the character development from seasons one through season six is just like nothing I've seen on television before. And it is the one show that absolutely consumed my life. And to see how Game of Thrones went from what it was to those final two seasons, because those dinguses that were running the show knew they had Star Wars. There's your Star Wars. Knew they had the rights to Star Wars. They're going to direct the next Star Wars. So they were like, all right, let's hurry up and get Game of Thrones over with so we can focus on Star Wars. They also they ran out of George R. R. Martin Ooh. books, though. That, oh, yeah, it, that too. You know, it fell on them to Wait, actually hold come up on. with the storyline. We just got the best. Well, we, and by we, I mean Connor, because I'm logged into Connor's Twitter. Would Connor consider High School Musical as a sports trilogy? I say absolutely yes. High School Musical series was <laughs> the best. I feel like we just went on a wild tangent. Rant. Like, yeah, I'm just trying to get my Game of Thrones rant. Marissa's trying to deflect all the blame from. Like, I've sure seen getting... all the High School Musicals. Okay. Breaking, I'm, I'm sure. Breaking Bad. Somebody else said Breaking Bad's great too, but Game of yes. Thrones is still better for me, man. And it's like you're right. They did run out of source material, but they ran out of source material after season four, and they were right. still able to put five and six together fine. It was when they rushed season seven and eight to get done with it, so they could go finish up Star Wars that everything went to shit. And it yeah. was like honestly. 
like at one point, I remember the two producers. I forget what is it, D and B or who have now like lost the Star Wars movie. Yeah, who yeah. lost it because of how much they brutally just murdered Game of Thrones. The Star Wars people, they were like, no, nah, no, sorry, bud, you don't get that anymore. <laughs> they ripped it away from them. But it was like at one point they were describing like Daenerys, who was like playing chess, not checkers. She's thinking seven steps ahead. She's the anti Adam Gase. She's like. <laughs> Oh, that's she just kind of forgot. Good. Daenerys, the anti-Adam yeah. Gase. Yeah, she. Nice. Yeah, he's like at one point they're describing how she gets. Uh, I forget the guy's name. The dude who was in, uh, who ended up marrying Cersei, and then Jamie kills him, and he's like in charge of all the um, boats. Like he has all the boats. He's the uh, gray, the Greyjoy. He's like the yeah. one who carried them or whatever it was. Yep, yep. When he like has his like like he he she was like oh yeah Daenerys just kind of forgot about his fleet, and it was like that's how her one dragon dies. It's like. She forget about shit the first six seasons. Now suddenly season seven and eight, she's forgetting stuff. Like, it's just, they just wanted to get it over with and they ruined it. And like, to this day, when people bring up Game of Thrones, like this is not going to send me into a tailspin for like the next four days. I get so depressed. I get Jamal Adams depressed thinking about how Game of Thrones ended for what that meant to me in my life for like all throughout college. And then the two years after college. And then when Bree and I moved in together here, like what that show meant to me, it was my everything. And for how it ended is just like, what well it's it's upsetting but marissa seriously give it a watch why it's 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 amazing it's i'm gonna do a twitter poll what's worse connor never seeing star wars or marissa never seeing game of thrones probably gonna be star wars it's gonna be star wars i think so and then somebody mentioned about the like marissa brought up the kid pick so i i like occasionally i do check my my direct messages on twitter and a lot of times it's like really cool messages from like kids in college they're like oh i kind of want to do what you do how do i do it you know advice stuff like that there's one I saw, and I don't know why I opened it, but it was like, oh, my God, look what I found. And it showed, like, attached a picture. And I was like, what the hell is this? So I kind of, like, ca- I casually looked in it, and it was this uh, this guy. And he goes, Connor, he goes, I'm a huge Jets fan. And he goes, I've been, he goes, I've been following you forever, yada, yada. He goes, I don't know if you remember this, but you interviewed my, my brother when he was playing district baseball. And sure enough, there's, like, uh, freshman year in college, Connor Hughes, like, 50 pounds heavier, like in in cargo shorts down below my knees. These these awesome blue. Yeah, and that lime was my first reaction. Are you wearing shorts or pants? Yeah, and it's me interviewing his kid because like when I was my very first job, like my first paid job in journalism was I was a stringer for the Burlington County Times. Which for people that don't know what that is, it's literally like 50. Uh, it's probably I get like 50 uh, like 50 bucks to like cover a, a high school game. We'll chop the kid like out of it. Yeah. Oh my God! Look at that! Oh, it's brutal. It's rough, man. I'm telling you. Oh, everyone, take a screenshot. That's before I tell you. That is before. What do you think? Vote. Do you think these are shorts or pants? You can tweet that. You can steal that and tweet that. But that is like that's that's it, man. I thought I looked good, and that that was before I discovered the gym and Bree's fashion sense took over. That was before all that happened. So it was uh, it was it was a little rough. I think it's that, pretty cool seeing kids like, yeah, I'm from Lenape district. He goes, I grew up in like the Lenape district, like the local area from where I'm from. He goes, yeah, he goes, you interviewed my brother. We took a picture of it. So, like I would cover high school sports, like $50 a game, but in the summer there were no high school sports. So they would send me to cover like the district eight and under 12 and under baseball games. And uh, back then Morristown, I think it was had a nasty team that ended up going like on the cusp of the little league world series. It was kind of cool. And I, I saw that. 
give you a look. It's crazy. Like if the picture was taken two years before, I would have had the mop hair. Like uh. I had like the really long hair. Well, I do think it's really cute seeing like, you know, everyone's had those early moments in this career. And I think that's really awesome that someone that stood out to somebody. Um, so we'll, we'll make this like meaningful and like a nice moment. But the chat also thinks they're capris. <laughs> <laughs> fair. That's fair. I'll give it to you. Shorts are fancy. All right. Should we, uh, should we talk about the Jets? Yeah. yeah we can. All right. Let's talk about talk the about Jets. jets. Uh, we're going to get to your questions as well. Connor advertised this episode as at least a partial mailbag. So we have a, a bunch of questions to get to later on in the show. But let's get through some uh, news and notes first. One, of course, Denzel Mims not going to play here, which brings up a few things. It's it's a family business that he's dealing with. Adam Gase said, you know, we we support him and going and having to, to deal with this personal stuff. So he's not going to be there. Um, hopefully he can take care of things and everything is all well with, with Denzel Mims. Um, the problem for Jets fans, Connor, is now what are we, what is the point of watching this game now that Denzel Mims isn't even going to play, right? I mean, it's, it's one less thing to kind of look forward to on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 it's tough because you are right though. I mean, there's, there's very little that the Jets have going right. There, there's very little that you can hang your hat on in terms of like, I want to see this, I want to see that. You know, for the last two years, that was Sam Darnold. You know, it was that, okay, as as bad as things are, as, as dismal things are, you believe that Sam Darnold is this team's franchise quarterback. You believe that Sam is is the guy that can turn it. So you, you watch Sunday, even though you know the Jets are going to lose, even though you know they stink, you watch them to see Sam Darnold. And and now you know Sam Darnold's not the guy. You know this team's going to have another franchise co- or another quarterback they believe is a franchise quarterback under center next year. So what are you watching for? You know, you're not really going to watch for Mekhi Becton because as dominant as he can be, he's still an offensive lineman. He's not really going to sell tickets or or in this case, like turn on the page views. Um, but, but Mims was that guy, you know, you were tuning in every week to see what Mims looked like. What would he do? What acrobatic catch could he make? Would he be able to go over the defender and make it? Was he going to score his first touchdown? How was he going to progress in his route running where, you know, before we were seeing dominant halves, but not dominant games or dominant spurts, but not a long stretch. So now you wanted to say, okay, can you do it in the first half? have the coverages uh, adjusted slightly to more shift towards him and then come back and do it in the second half. You wanted to see all of these things. And that's kind of what kept jet fans tuning in because he was one of those players that you could say like i want to watch him and unfortunately you're not going to going to get a chance to see him go against seattle you know you're not going to get a chance to see him try to burn jamal adams like everyone else in the nfl has done this year you're not going to get a chance to see him go up against griffin you know the pretty good corner that seattle's got outside you know and it's it's a shame because every snap and every down that Denzel Mims plays he gets a little bit better he gets a little bit improved he sees a coverage so that the next time he's out there he can figure it out and adjust and then do something a little bit different and you know the, the one thing I do want to stress is that this isn't necessarily like a, a family issue that's going to cape him out forever this is not a, a family issue that's going to sideline him multiple weeks the issue is just the NFL is enhanced and strict COVID-19 protocols so right. Mims was going to be out yesterday and he was going to be out today. Like those are going to be the two days that he was going to be out. However, you need to get tested at the team's facility every single day. And you need to have tests from those facilities every single day. And two negatives come back every day. It's like, or like negative one day, negative Tuesday. And then you're out loud to come in on day three. And then you have to keep getting tested, tested, tested. Because he left to go be with his family for the family emergency, he has not been able to get tested again. Because he's had to stay out a second day, the Jets have not been able to 
get him back to the facility, to test him back at the facility, to send him back. Like it's just the logistics of it are not working. So what the Jets have done, and it's it's a kind of a hat tip to them because it is. They've said, go be with your family. Take care of your family. We're going to be here when you get back. And if it means you miss a game, miss a game, miss a game, family comes first. Family comes first here, not football. And if this was any other year, like if this was last year, next year, hopefully, the year after that, like Mims is still going to play on Sunday. He's just not going to be a practice. He'll be there at Sunday for the game. But because of the COVID testing, he's just not able to be there. And, and unfortunately, it comes uh, at a pretty big blow for for the Jets because the Seahawks were were readying to, to face this guy. I mean, he was somebody that Seattle had, I know this for a fact, he was somebody that Seattle had starred as, we can't let this guy beat us. We need to know where this guy is at all points in time because this guy can make a difference because Mims is a special player. He's not just good. What you're seeing, the, the getting better, I mean, he's going to be special. The Jets are convinced he's going to be a special player. So that... I had the whole, oh, he's going to be a really good number two. Uh, he's a guy who, yeah, he can be a pretty good player. He's always going to be robbing a Batman. That's not, I can tell you from talking to people within the Jets building and also people around the NFL who have now studied this guy's film, he's not somebody that they think is a number two. He's not somebody that they think is going to be a good Robin. They believe this guy actually has Batman potential, that this guy has the ability to be really, really good, and there's just there's something different about him. And Unfortunately for Jet fans, you're not going to get a chance to see him on the uh, on the field on Sunday. Yeah, and it's unfortunate too because when you look at Seattle and that defense, it it hasn't been very good, right? I mean, Seattle's a good team, no doubt. They could end up in the Super Bowl. They're eight and four. They've had their ups and downs. Obviously, they lost to the Giants uh, last week, but the the defense has been far from a strength, despite. Of course, the addition of Jamal Adams. So let's get to that. It's, I guess, you know, you call it the Jamal Adams revenge game, but Bradley McDougal's going against his old team. George Font going against his old team as well. Um, so there's a lot of crossover between these two teams. But let's talk about Jamal a little bit, because I think if this season has maybe showed us something, it's the reason the Jets were okay letting this guy go. He's been incredible at times a highlight reel at times with Seattle like we saw in New York but overall that defense isn't really better with him they're 31st in the league in yards allowed 22nd in points allowed Connor Jamal's had a you know he's been hurt a little bit but when he's played he's had some big moments he's had some big highlights but I don't think he's made that team better no and and I I mean well you can look at the stats for for uh Seattle I mean what I think they're they're second to last in the NFL in terms of, of um, I think they're second to last in the NFL in terms of yards per game. And I think they rank 22nd in points allowed per game. I'm not going to say, I just wrote, I was trying to bring up the story. because it's all right. I literally it. just said it when I was tossing it to you. So, you know, I know you're multitasking. It's all good. I am. I am actually, what I was, what I was literally trying to do is like, I can, I'll fill you guys all in. On this. So I don't know how much you, like you and Marissa know about this part of it, but they took away like you when we first started the athletic like a story could be published then as writers we could go back in and edit it again now like once we give it to the editors we can't touch it anymore so i filed a story and it's running tomorrow on jamal adams as soon as you start talking about jamal i was like oh that's right i got to bring up that story because i have a bunch of like nuggets and news in there and stuff like that so i go into the back end of wordpress which is our platform we use and i can't get the story i can't preview it because it's not i can't view it because it's not running until tomorrow I can't preview it because they've always scheduled it and I can't edit it because I can't get in. So I'm like, all my news and nuggets that I have on Jamal Adams are all stuck there. So I'm sorry. I was, I did miss, I, <laughs> I heard you, I heard your beginning of, we're going to, we're going to talk about Jamal Adams. I was trying to go in here to get my Jamal Adams nuggets and they're Sounds gone, good. but I do have them up now. Now I, I was able to, to go into WordPress, but like you said, man, I, I think what the Jets foresaw in Jamal 
and and this is we'll get into like what he's what he's done on the field in terms of like he's like he did say I heard this about that him not really making Seattle better is is the reason why he's no longer with the Jets you know because the Jets did want to bring him back this wasn't this wasn't BS like this wasn't like the Jets uh didn't want him this wasn't like the Jets were lying when they when uh, Joe Douglas said he was going to make Jamal a Jet for life they genuinely did want to bring this guy back they genuinely did want to give him extension. They had started to allocate funds to give Jamal his big money extension. When Seattle came at them and made them the offer that they did, it was an offer that they could not refuse. And they had to give it right back. Like They, they had to make that trade. They had to move Jamal Adams out of here because you were not going to get a quarterback like Ransom. You can't pass up a quarterback like Ransom for a safety. And I think you are seeing why. I mean, like you said, Jamal, when he's near the line of scrimmage, and when he's blitzing, he is an absolute matchup nightmare. He is. He, he is an absolute demon coming off the edge because he's too physical and strong for running backs and tight ends to deal with. He just is. There, there's no running back in the NFL, I believe, that is going to be able to consistently block Jamal Adams. Can a running back maybe get the best of him on one or two plays? Absolutely. You, you get better leverage, all that stuff. But no running back... You, you man up with on every single play is going to stop Jamal Adams. Jamal's eventually going to get his sack, which is why you've seen in these eight, nine games that he's played this year, he's had a sack in every single game but two. He didn't have one against Dallas. He didn't have one against Arizona. There's the only two games he didn't have a sack. He's also a threat because obviously when he comes around the edge, he's too fast and quick for offensive linemen. So it all works as a pass rusher. What you're seeing though is that Jamal Adams is not Troy Palomalu, you know? Jamal Adams is not Brian Dawkins because while Palomalu could come off the edge and was a threat and a, and a beast off the edge. And while uh, Brian Dawkins made those bone crushing hits and was also a dominant guy when he's getting to the quarterback, those kind of things, those two players could also cover. And those two players could also either play zone coverage, maybe not always man, but could play zone coverage and get back deep and, and weren't a liability back deep. Jamal Adams is a liability back deep. Jamal Adams is a player that, that cannot cover at all quarterbacks have have targeted jamal here are the numbers quarterbacks have targeted jamal this year 32 times which isn't that many targets it's not that many targets because of how often the guy blitzes so he's been thrown at 32 times quarterbacks have completed 26 of those passes that's 81.3 percent they've completed them for 303 yards two touchdowns no interceptions and a quarterback rating of 127.0 jamal adams is like we said unbelievable pass rusher right he's got a pro football focus grade of 84.7 as a pass rusher his coverage grade is 50.2 his total defense grade is a 63.6 when you combine his pass rush grade and his coverage grade to get his defense grade jamal has had a pro football focus grade in all the games that he's played all of those games he's had a pro football focus grade above a 63 times this season and one of those was a 68.5 like that's not great his numbers right. across like i said 63.6 is his defensive grade 84.7 pass rush grade, really good. Coverage grade, 50.2. His defense grade, 63.6, is the lowest of his career, and his coverage grade, 50.2, is the lowest of his career. So he's a limited player in what he can do. Yeah, he's a he's a playmaker. Yeah, he makes plays when he's on the field. Yeah, he can rush the quarterback. Yeah, he makes the bone-crushing hits, all that stuff. But the guy can't cover. He can't. And I think preemptively what the Jets did do well is by trading it to the Seahawks, it basically nipped in the bud the ugly negotiation that was going to come. Because I think what what people what people forget and and what people don't realize 
is that this back and forth between the Jets and Jamal Adams, this this fighting between the Jets and Jamal Adams, all this crap with them, at no point did it actually come when they were talking numbers, right, Tim? Like, that's the crazy right. thing, is they started fighting and arguing when they weren't even at the negotiating table. It was about when Jamal Adams was going to get paid. Then you started hearing the stories that Jamal was expecting $20 million a year because he's a quote-unquote defensive playmaker. Like, the Jets were willing to make him the highest-paid safety. They were never going to give him $20 million a year. That's ridiculous. And he didn't care that we were in a pandemic either, seemingly. That was another thing is, like, the state of the world in 2020, and Jamal just kind of kept going with, I, I got to get paid, I got to get paid. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and the one criticism that I, I know fans did have, and I got it, like, I, I understand it, is, is that fans were not happy that, that Joe Douglas – didn't trade Adams during the draft, right? Was that he waited until July because their thought process was you trade Jamal during the draft. You get him out of here during the draft. You get that extra first round pick. Maybe you don't get as much from the Seahawks, but you get an extra first round pick. And suddenly maybe that's the Cowboys who are interested in Jamal at the deadline. You'll be able to have Mekhi Becton, a left tackle, CD Lamont receiver. And heck, you can have Denzel Mims too at number two and you have extra picks as well in the, in the 2021 draft. I can tell you like the, Joe Douglas never cut the cord of his phone line like the same phone that he was willing to answer during the nfl's deadline he was willing to answer it during the draft did he make calls no were there some calls fielded on jamal yes from the seahawks from the the ravens from the uh from the cowboys all of the teams that called about jamal none of them made them a legitimate offer no one made a legit offer that joe douglas would actually consider there was no first round pick on the table during the nfl draft so the jets didn't not trade jamal during the draft because they were like oh maybe we can still extend him they never had this offer this offer that the seahawks made came in during the draft last year jamal adams would have been traded during the draft i know that for a fact i've talked to people about it he would have been traded during the draft the offer never came in for a multitude of reasons teams didn't know what the 2021 salary cap was going to look like teams didn't know if there was going to be a 2020 nfl season so it didn't make sense to give up all these picks to go and get Jamal Adams at the time. So that's the one criticism, but it really can't be a criticism because the trade deal just wasn't there. Jets were able to ship him off. And honestly, look, the Seahawks got a defensive playmaker that they wanted. They wanted a Cam Chancellor-like guy, somebody that could make a difference on defense. They get it. For the Jets, they got rid of a headache. They got a ton of picks that are going to help expedite their rebuild. They got rid of a guy that clearly didn't want to be here. And they also got rid of a player that's very one-dimensional and was going to want $20 million a year, $20 million that Joe Douglas was never going to give him in the first place. So, uh, honestly, it was it was uh, Adam Gase said it today when we talked to him on, on a conference call. He said, you know, I think all sides got what they wanted in this. I agree with him. I think this is a rare situation where, where it was a win-win for everyone. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, time to get to the mailbag. Let's start with the defense. Um, 
basically, you know, the, the question comes in, Connor, and it's, are we going to see something different this week? And I know Frank Bush spoke today um, as the new Jets defensive coordinator, interim defensive coordinator. Uh, is there going to be anything different this week on the field? Um, yeah, real real quick, I'm, I'm reading the comment section. Someone told me to turn my gain down because apparently my <laughs> I am popping, and I don't know how to do that. I just went into the audio settings, and this is like, maybe if The Athletic sent me my new mic for our profitable podcast, that would be really nice. But Hunter, look at that like, bougie mic you have. Let's just go answer the question. It is cool. I'm moving around. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> moving around like I'm Craig Carton. He's actually been pretty good in that return spot. Oh I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan of that Evans and Roberts shot. Um, yeah, so I think you're going to have a defense that is, I was actually fun because we, we finally talked to him. We finally talked to Frank Bush today and that was kind of like cool to get to like discuss him. I don't, I don't think you're going to see as exotic and sometimes overly aggressive defensive plays with him. You know, with with Greg Williams, his defense a lot of times was, um, I know more than what you know. I know football better than what you know football or how you know football. And I'm going to show you by outsmarting you. And a lot of times by him trying to outsmart the defense, it was like, no, you don't know more than the other guy. That's why you don't run cover zero all out blitz with 12 seconds left. Like, duh. Um, but I think what you're going to see with with Bush is that it's going to be dialed back some. I don't think it's going to be as aggressive. I think it's going to be more rudimentary. I think it's going to be more um, not necessarily like insane man coverage with blitzes. I think you're just going to have like a more traditional 34, 43 defense that goes out there and tries to win a game. Like, I think that's what you're going to see now where I would be fairly nervous with this. If I was the jets is that with Greg Williams, sometimes what you were getting with him was that he was going to try, he was going to kind of like his craziness was sometimes unexpected and it could catch the opposing offense off guard. Sometimes that did happen. He was specifically good against uh, quarterbacks that he had never faced before, like that had never faced him before. Cause he could give them looks and you didn't know what you were going to get with a Greg Williams defense until you actually experience a Greg Williams defense. So there was always that opportunity for like a big half or a big quarter or a big game uh, with, with Greg gone. I don't think you're going to get that from Frank Bush. I think you're going to honestly, I think what you're probably going to see is the jets defense play more to their talent level, which is not very good. And I think there's a chance that you might see a, a very bad defense. I, I think, I'll be honest, I don't know what the spread is. I would take the Seahawks. Like, I, I think I think this is going to be a really ugly game. I think the Jets, I, like, it doesn't matter if Frank Bush is there, whatever defense he runs, I think Seattle's going to score a boatload of points. I think the Jets aren't going to keep this one even sort of close because they're still hungover from the game on Sunday, and it's going to be an ugly one. But I, I think what you'll honestly see is a lot less blitzing, a lot less exotic looks, a more traditional defense, a team that's trying to maybe like bend but don't break kind of thing. Um, and, and we'll see if it, if it works. I, I don't think it will, but, but we'll see. Okay. This question is from Tom on Twitter with the way that Ty Johnson Terp and Josh Adams ran <laughs> on Sunday. Will the jets finally put Gore on the shelf and let the young guys get some run? I wish I could say yes. I <laughs> wish, I wish I could sit here and be like, yeah, you're finally, you saw what we've been complaining about on Twitter what we've been complaining about on this podcast is like, let like the young guys play yet. Ty Johnson get out there. Cause the jets, like all Frank Gore should do is pass pro and short yarded situations. Cause his decisiveness is good for one to two yards. And he's a very smart level headed player where he can be the, the pass blocking situation in no world. She'd be getting 25 to 30 touches in no world. She'd be getting 20 touches, 15 touches, 10 touches, it'd be five touches at the most. And then pass pro situations. 
because the Jets don't need one to two yards. They don't need that. They need speed on the field. They need the chance to break something. They need athleticism. Like, that's what they need. And you get that with Ty Johnson. To an extent, you get that with Josh Adams. I wish I could say that, like, Sunday proved what we've been saying right because it did. It did prove us all right. It did prove exactly what we've been preaching and screaming from the top of the mountains for the last two months. Uh, with that said, I don't think it's going to change anything. I, re- I really do not believe that it's going to change anything. And the reason that I say that is we talked to Adam Gase today and we said like, oh, Frank Gore is out of the concussion protocol. You think you'll get like, you know, Ty Johnson still more carries. How's that work? And he goes, you know, I wish I could give you the answer of how to perfectly do it. You know, in the perfect world, we get this guy's touches and that guy's touches and this and that and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And as he's talking, I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, Ty Johnson just averaged 4.8 yards of carry scored a touchdown, became the first 100-yard rusher under Gase in God knows how long, probably since J.J. And he's about to head to the bench for like five touches and another 25 carries from Gore. I mean, I just, I don't get, like, Adam Gase loves Frank Gore. And I've talked to Adam about it, and he'll be like, oh, you know, Frank is really good in the first half. And then when we come back in the second half, he's a little heavy-legged. So we like to get the young guys Because he's 37. Going yeah. <laughs> duh. So like, we'll get two series of Frank in the first half, and then we'll go series by series. You know, series on, series off, series on, series off. That's what was the plan with Piran. And you get to the game. And, Could you try oops. again? Then you get to the game, and that doesn't happen. And so like, I've, I've honestly, like, I've given up. I, I've given up hope. I, like I said, I, in my, yeah. I, what you saw with the exception of Frank were actually not playing and not being able to do goal line, short yardage, and pass pro, that should have been like the game plan that we've seen for the last two months, what we saw on Sunday. Instead, you get what we actually, like, instead you get what we're going to see, which is more Frank Gore than what should be, and occasionally you see the running back come in, and I'm sure Ty Johnson will break something and be like, well, why isn't he getting more touches? And then we go back to not seeing him again. Yeah, Gase makes it sound like the perfect scenario is tough to find where he found it a week ago. Like, we all witnessed it. It was great. They ran the ball all over the field, two-headed machine, neither of those guys being Frank Gore. I mean, just watch the film back, man. Just watch the film back. All right. Um, I'll take the next one, Marissa. Better call Randy. Uh, Really good questions this week. This one... um, about the draft, about the Adams trade. Looking back at the Adams trade, Jamal wanted the Cowboys. It would have been impossible for Joe Douglas to know that Dallas was going to be doing what they're doing this season. But that said, would you rather have the two ones in the mid-20s and a third that they got from Seattle or the top six pick that they could have gotten from the Cowboys now that the uh, the star has imploded in Dallas? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I never even thought about that if they had done the deal last year. I mean, I think it was... Look, the Jets, the Jets were stuck on what they wanted. Like the Jets had said, we want one and a, what was it? A one and two twos was their original asking price, you know, a year ago at the trade deadline when they wanted a one and two twos. And they didn't, when they said we want a one and two twos, it wasn't with them under the thought process of like, we want to trade Jamal Adams. Like that's what, that's what always gets lost in translation here is the Jets never wanted to trade Jamal. They viewed Jamal as a building block piece. They viewed him as a very strong voice in the locker room. They viewed him as a very good player. Like, they loved Jamal Adams. They didn't want to trade him. So if they were to move him at the deadline last year, the all-pro player, they didn't want to do that unless somebody blew them away with a deal. And just a first-round pick was not going to do that for them. They wanted a first and two twos because they didn't want to trade him. That's what kind of gets lost. Is like, as this situation devolved to where it did and, and where Jamal was eventually traded to Seahawks, it changed to the point where the Jets were like, all right, Maybe we do actually need to just get rid of this headache. But still, they were blown away with a quarterback like Ransom. So 
You can say that, and the answer is yes. I mean, they would be much better off with the Cowboys' first-round pick this year. I mean, you're talking about, like they said, you're looking at a potential another top-five pick. The Jets could have the number one pick and number five pick in the draft, plus plus probably a third-rounder last year. So it's like, yeah, that, that would have been significantly better, but at the same time, the Jets were in a very different position during the trade deadline last year. You know, again, they did not want to move Jamal, so that's why nothing really ever came to play. If they, if they had sat there and they were like, all right, we're definitely not paying this guy. This guy's going to be a headache. Let's move him. Let's get rid of him. It's time. Let's get rid of Jamal Adams. It's going to be done. I want I want him out of here. That's when suddenly you don't take this hardline stance of we need to be blown away. You take the best offer that's available and then you accept the best offer of what you've got and you move on from him. That's not where the Jets were last year. And during the draft this year when they could have potentially gotten the Cowboys first round pick and taken C.D. Lamb, the Jets never got an offer. The Cowboys never offered their first round pick. The Seahawks never offered their first round pick in this year's draft because it was the fact that that nobody knew, like I said earlier, like no one knew if there was going to be a 2020, a 2020 NFL season. No one knew what the 2021 NFL salary cap was going to look like if there was no 2020 NFL season. So that's where it, uh, everything kind of got hung up. And and honestly, it, it yeah, could there have been better situations out there? Absolutely. But the Jets still came away with two ones and a three for a guy that they were clearly never going to give his 20 million to. So they got rid of a headache. They got all these picks and this, this rebuild's going to be expedited because of it. Okay. This question is from El Jefe on Twitter. <laughs> Thoughts on Bill Cower and the curious origins of his rumored return leverage for a better CBS contract. <laughs> and then wife who won't stop complaining about how bad Gase is both. Is that a bad idea for the Jets? Um, I would stay away from that and I would never even go close to it if I was the Jets. I, I don't know the validity to it. Obviously, Boomer talks to him more than anyone. They're on the show together on CBS, so he would know and, and what he says carries weight. He's not just putting that out there to put it out there. I mean, if he's saying it, there's something to it. Um, whether or not the Jets are actually interested in it is a completely other story. And if I was the Jets, that would be something that I would I would I would stay away from. I mean, Cower's been out of the NFL. For a very long time. I mean, it he would was be a like a um, sorry, it would be like a Dick Vermeil situation to me, right? Yeah. When he came Honestly, back with the Rams, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even compare it to Gruden. Like, I wouldn't even okay. compare it to. I would compare it to like that one. I would compare it to um, uh, what was the other one that when um, Shanahan came back and coached coached Washington again? Like, it would be something. Like, it's like you're digging into the old bag of tricks. Like, you're digging into a guy that's been out of the NFL for so long. I don't think he's been like Gruden. Like Gruden approached every broadcast for Monday Night Football like he was preparing. Like he would study all the film, all like he was nuts with it. Where he was basically still a coach, he was just broadcasting instead of coaching. Like he would, like they showed his his setup in his hotel room once for the broadcast, and he had seventeen monitors set up with all the X's and O's, all this stuff. Like that's what that like that's why the Raiders felt confident giving him the job again. Now I probably still wouldn't give him ten years, a hundred million, but that's neither here nor there. Cowers one where I just wouldn't touch it. And and it feels like it would be a desperate move. You know, it'd be one trying to hire like the sexy name again. And that's not what the Jets need. You know, that's that's what I keep coming back to is like the Jets, the Jets shouldn't try to go find Cliff Kingsbury. The Jets shouldn't try to go find Sean McVay. The Jets shouldn't try to go do the John Gruden thing again, where they go and they bring some guy out of retirement. What they need to do is they need to follow the Giants model. The, they need to follow the Steelers model with Mike Tomlin. When the Steelers interviewed Mike Tomlin, they did not go into that interview with any realistic expectation of hiring Mike Tomlin. They went into that one and they said to themselves, we're going to give this guy a chance to impress us. Tomlin blew them away and they were basically like, holy cow, we need to hire this guy. 
The Giants went and they interviewed Joe Judge because they heard some good things. They did not go in there saying, we want Joe Judge. They were talking about Josh McDaniels. They were talking about Matt Rule, all this stuff. They're not going with Joe Judge saying, I want Joe Judge. I want Joe Judge. They went in there with Joe Judge and they were blown away. And what they, what they saw the Giants and what the Steelers saw in Tomlin is they saw a head coach. You know, they didn't see offensive-minded. They didn't see defensive-minded. Tomlin was a DB's coach, and and uh, Judge was a special teams coordinator. They didn't see that. They saw, this is a guy who knows football. This is a guy who knows how to build a culture. This is a guy who knows how to lead men, and he's going to be the right guy to fill him around with staff. He'll get his offensive coordinator. He'll get his defensive coordinator, and we'll be a team. That's what the Jets need to go out and find. They need to go find a offense. They need to find a, a, a head coach that's going to be a head coach. No more Rex Ryan, where he's the defensive guy, and then he's like, all right, someone else go run my offense. Same thing happened with Todd, and then the reverse happened with Adam Gase, where he was offensive. No, go find somebody that's going to manage the entire team. He's going to be checking in to offensive meetings. He's going to be checking in on defensive meetings. He's going to be with the quarterbacks. He's going to be checking in on this, but he's also not going to micromanage where he's going to let the guys he hires do their jobs as well. That's who the the Jets need to go find. I don't necessarily know who that player is, but I don't think it's Bill Cowher because I think Cowher is just another guy who's going to be a retread of of what everything else has been, where it's just going to be like, all right, here's somebody who's done it before with the Steelers. Let's just bring him in here, you know, and, and give him a shot and see what he can't do. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't believe it. I don't think it's the right thing. The Jets need to, the one positive I will say is that for the first time, the Jets aren't going to be going throughout a coaching search with a search firm, with Woody Johnson, with anything like that. Like Christopher Johnson's going to be calling the shots, but Christopher is basically giving all of the control to Joe Douglas. And it's going to be Joe Douglas who picks this team's head coach to be Joe Douglas who makes the final say. And that's where I would feel confident because I think Joe Judge is going to be an excellent judge of character. Joe Douglas is going to be on that, or I'm sorry, uh, Joe Douglas is going to be an excellent judge of character. Joe Douglas is going to be an excellent um, finder of, I want culture and I want a head coach. That's what he's going in here looking for. And I think he's going to be able to find it. Next question is from Alan Golan. It's another head coach type question. The Marvin Lewis rumors can't be serious. Sure, he turned around the Bengals, but the ceiling is a first round loss in the playoffs seven times. That shouldn't be our goal in this search. And that's exactly the message it would send. Do you guys consider him a serious candidate? No, I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't go there. I mean, there is like, I think there'll be the connections that are, um, I think there are the connections there that they're going to draw between Joe and Lewis because they were both overlapped in in uh, Baltimore, which you'll see. And I think Marvin's going to want to get Marvin's going to want to get back in the NFL, going to get another coach. No, no, that's another one I wouldn't talk. I mean, I think if you're talking about like Coward, like he's had a Super Bowl on his finger, he's been to multiple Super Bowls, he's been a Super Bowl winning coach. His big thing was like he couldn't get over the hump. You know, he couldn't get into the Super Bowl, couldn't get past Tom Brady, and then also he couldn't win one once he was there. But he did finally get that monkey off his back with Jerome Bettis. So like you finally saw it where he got. He's a Super Bowl winner. Lewis, I mean. His Bengal teams were always like really good for a while before the end, like until the end where they got really bad, but like they never won anything. Like they never won a playoff game. They would get into the playoffs, but they always lost. And like the one year they probably should have won was when Carson Palmer's knee exploded against the Steelers. But like he would be one I wouldn't, I would not go anywhere near. And I would be very surprised if he's the coach the Jets end up uh, picking up. I mean, I think actually, who was it, Caldwell? Was he the former Lions coach? Call where he coached the, the, he coached the Colts, and then he went to the Lions. I think Jim Caldwell, I believe, was his name. He was one I would actually consider before I would go to Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, just because I think he's a guy that – I think he got a little bit of a raw deal in Detroit. I think he did better 
with a lot less talent because that team really wasn't able to ever sign guys because who wants to go play in Detroit kind of thing. I would pick him over Marvin Lewis any day of the week, although I wouldn't honestly pick either of those guys if I had my choice. But they, uh, I think there's, um, no, that, that I wouldn't worry. I don't think the Jets are going to go there. If they do, they deserve all the criticism they get. Okay, last one. This one's from Gideon. Should the Jets draft a center early to grow with Lawrence and recapture that brick Magnolia? <laughs> Magnolia. Magnolia. Magnolia? <laughs> I was thinking of the, the Netflix show, Mangled <laughs> Tandem. <laughs> Uh, it depends on what they mean by early. Like if you're talking about with that second first round pick that the Seahawks got, no, I mean, the jets, the jets can make do with Connor McGovern for the next two years. And the jets can find another center in free agency that, you know, the good, good centers tend to shake free. They could always look to trade for one, but no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go looking there with that second first round pick from the Seahawks. I probably wouldn't even look to go there with the, uh, with a second round pick, I would think in the third, yeah, with, with an extra third round pick, I, w- I would think the third round's a good spot because you can find a guy that usually when you find a guard or a center who has like that that potential to play both or just, you know, starts a guard then eventually moves inside or starts a center, moves outside. Weston Richburg was with the Giants and the 49ers. I think that's probably more of the spot to go. If there's the right center in the second round who can also play guard, I think second round's a good spot. I think third round's a good spot. With that second first round pick, if that's what they mean by early, no. The Jets need, the Jets need another receiver. Uh, the Jets need another corner. The Jets need outside, like outside linebacker, pass rusher. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a pretty heavy defense draft. All right, we do have to do our picks before we say goodbye, and we really have to do our picks because you should pay attention. We were nine and zero last week, first time in two years of doing these picks mm-hmm. that we all run the table. So good job for all of us. The standings are actually looking pretty good. I think we're all in the money at this point. Um, the picks have been going well. Connor what, got what bounced Connor back in? after a couple of bets. He's in third. Okay, good. He's in third. I'll tell you what, you know, it's funny is like, I didn't, when we placed those bets, this is the first time this year where I placed bets or we did our picks and I didn't actually bet the money on them. Like I didn't, I didn't put my actual money on them. Cause I was like, and, and right before, I think I bet the Thursday game too. I think it was like right before I was like, all right, you know, I got to put the money on it. And I got sidetracked. The game started and I missed it. And then I covered the first game that I bet. And I was like, should I bet the next two? I was like, no, I was like, I miss, I, won the first one so I'm probably gonna go one and one of these next ones i'll just save it and, and count it as profit sure enough this is when i sweep and i always whenever i make three picks i bet them and then i parlay them to save for like this one or two times where i go three and oh and of course i didn't get it which is just this is just brutal absolutely brutal do you have your picks or do you want to go last no i when i saw i went three and oh i'm keep i'm keeping with this this trend of picking them in the moment so you guys can go first i'm gonna write my uh write my ones down here all right, fair enough. Um, I'll go first. Uh, Bucks minus six and a half uh, at home against the Vikings. I think that's a no-brainer under a touchdown. If it was seven and a half, I'd, I'd have doubts. But six and a half, go with the Bucks. Uh, Houston minus one at the Bears. I mean, the Bears are as bad as Houston was early in the season. The Bears are finishing that way. I think Houston minus one. Even though it's on the road, I'll take that. And then finally, one of the big games of the weekend, uh, Steelers and Bills in the AFC Steelers on the road, but I'm going to take them with the points. Plus one and a half at Buffalo. I'll take the Steelers to bounce back after that brutal, brutal loss. They got to uh, come out firing uh, and bounce back against Buffalo. Go ahead, Merson. Um, yeah, I also think Texans minus one versus the Bears. Um, so I think Jalen Hurts is going to provide a spark for the Eagles, but I don't think enough um, versus the Saints. So I'm going Saints minus six and a half. And then 
man, the Washington football team looked pretty good uh, versus the Steelers. So I'm going to take that one plus three and a half versus the 49ers. And that game is, I think, in Arizona. Their 49ers are still playing out in Arizona. So Yes. So not that it matters without fans. Right. That. I almost <laughs> took that Saints game. I was almost with you because I just think like at the end of the day, Hurts is a rookie. And yeah. It's just... I mean, he like I, I do think like the Eagles are going to look better than they have. But I mean. Wouldn't know. take they, much. You said you yeah. saw that six and a half. Yeah, yeah. six and a half. They're, tre- the they're trending your way. It's up to seven now on DraftKings. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So they're trending. Well, I got it uh, at six and a half. So yeah. So oh yeah, you're fine. I mean, they're, they're, it just means they're trending your way. People are uh, people are on the Marissa band. They saw Marissa go three and zero. So her big money come in on on the on the uh, on the Saints. They're like, oh, time to switch the spread. Marissa, Marissa's on to them. <laughs> money maker, Marissa. Um, Influencer. All right, so I'm Yep, you're Social up. media influencer, Marissa. Uh, yeah, so the first one that I like a lot is Kansas City minus seven and a half against Miami. I know Miami like plays tough and Flores is a good coach. Miami, they're bounce back from a team that was tanking and absolutely abysmal last year to the team that they are today. Hello, Jets. Uh, is quite a bit surprising, but I don't think Tua is ready for a Steve Spagnola defense. I don't think that that Miami Dolphins defense is ready for what the Kansas City speed is. So I don't usually like when it gets over a touchdown at seven and a half, but for this one, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Kansas City minus seven and a half against Miami. I like that one a lot. The other one I'm on, which is the same bandwagon you guys are, is Houston uh, giving a point minus one against Chicago. That Bears team is uh, just a disaster. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is terrible. Uh, I don't Matt Nagy's obviously coaching the final few games. I can't imagine he's back next year. Um, I just, I can't, I can't get a read against him. I mean, I finally thought it was like, oh man, Trubisky's rock, go, rocking and rolling against, uh, yeah, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I almost made it. Ding. Yeah, almost. I was like, the last segment, last segment, uh, Trubisky obviously going against the, I, like, and all of a sudden the Lions come all the way back and the Lions have their own problems. So, uh, I, that line's actually a little scary. The fact that it's only a point, but I'll take, I'll take Houston, uh, minus one against Chicago. And then the other one that I take is a huge spread. It's a massive spread, but I do like the Seahawks 13 and a half. I mean, I think there's a chance that this is like a 20, 28, three, four touchdown game. Like I just, the Jets were so emotionally distraught after that Sunday game, that feeling carried through on Monday where we talked to Adam Gase after he fired Greg Williams and he sounded like somebody at a funeral. Like, I mean, it was just, it was as down and out as I can imagine. And without Denzel Mims, I find it hard to see the Jets moving the ball against the Seahawks, which Jamal Adams back, you know, he's going to be playing out of his mind to make the Jets regret trading him. I think he's going to, it wouldn't surprise me if he scores a defensive touchdown. Um, And then the big thing too, is like with Greg Williams gone, while Greg had his issues and Greg was way too aggressive and Greg definitely cost the Jets the game. He still always had his defense playing hard and he was always going to give you some wrinkle week in and week out that would confuse the quarterback. I just don't think you're going to get that with Frank Bush. So while it was the right decision to move on from Greg Williams, it's probably not the best week to have it happen because I think the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, I just have, I don't see how they slow him down. And the fact that the Seahawks are coming off a game where they just lost to the Giants, a heartbreaker. Lamar Jackson's going to be trying to cover DK Metcalf. I mean, it's just, everything is set up for this to be an absolute beatdown. And and the line's 13 and a half. That is so juicy, but everything. Every time I think about the game, I think twenty plus point victory for the Seahawks. So uh, make those my three points. I go Kansas City minus seven and a half. I'll go uh, Houston minus one, and then Seahawks minus thirteen and a half. And that would bring the Jets to lucky number thirteen in the tank for Trevor. 
uh, situation. All right, that's going to do it for the, us for this episode. There is still time to cash in on the holiday deal here at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. You can, the deal right now is if you gift a subscription, you get a subscription for free. So basically it's a two for one situation. Buy one for somebody else for the holidays. Get one for yourself free. Still plenty of time to get that. Theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. That's going to do it for us. Enjoy the Jamal Adams Bowl on Sunday. We'll talk to you again on Monday.